Hold the roll and go. Where am I to go, me Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Hello, and thank you for joining us here at Where Am I To Go podcast. Before we start our show today, there's a couple things I would like to bring to your attention. First of all, we have a Facebook page where we post lots of pictures of places we've been and things that we've done, and also other little things that people might be interested in knowing. We also have an email address at whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. If anybody has any ideas, suggestions, or thoughts about our program, please let us know. I'm more than interested in hearing comments, feedback, and that type of stuff, and it will also help to make a better show. And lastly, we are on Patreon. If anybody's interested in joining us there and helping us along with our adventures, we would be more than happy to have your assistance. Now... Thanks again for joining us today, and let's get on with the show. Today we are in San Angelo, Texas, and we showed up at Fort Concho. And I guess that's kind of how San Angelo got started. We are here with Robert, and he is going to cover uh, different aspects of this fort with us. And just from driving by, I am impressed. I love Fort Angelo. We just came in yesterday haven't ever been here before. Uh, we went to the Bordello Museum, and Mark over there was awesome. He said that we needed to come over here and check this out, and the grounds here are just spectacular. So, Mark, you're going to take us on a tour here, and starting off, you're going to tell us about the Springfield rifle. This is the Model 1873 Springfield rifle. It was the one that was in use most of the time the Army was at Fort Concho. It's a very significant rifle in Army history for a couple of reasons. It's the first rifle that was standard issue that used metallic cartridge. And uh, the cartridge is the 4570 government cartridge. The cartridge and rifle were made for each other. Okay, now while well, we're talking about this, 4570 designates... 45 caliber bullet pushed by 70 grains of black powder. Okay, and 45 caliber is just shy of a half inch. Yes, it is. And 70 grains of black powder is approximately how much if you were going to put it in teaspoon size? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> a quarter teaspoon best probably? best I can tell you is there's 7,000 grains to a pound. Okay. So it's one one-hundredth of a pound of powder. Okay, that's fair enough. Somebody, yeah. if they get decide they want to measure yeah. that out, they can go get a scale and figure yeah. it out. But, yeah. uh, but that's the way that they designated a lot of these guns in the beginning. Right. Was forty five seventy yeah. or forty fifty or forty or whatever? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was caliber and, and then powder, powder charge. charge. Uh, such a good cartridge that it's still being produced today, although it's not truly a forty five seventy because they don't use black powder. They use smokeless powder, so they use less. But there are modern rifles chambered for forty five seventy. You can go to a sporting goods store and tell them I want a box of forty five seventies, and you got it, no problem. The other thing that made this unique was it was the first rifle standard issue. It was a breech loader. So you just open the trap door in the breech, close it, and you're ready to shoot. Okay, now when he's, when he's talking about the breech loader, there's a lever on the top of the gun, and when you push down that lever, 
the whole door opens up that's about two inches long and raises forward so that you can slide your shell into the chamber. And then the block comes back down and seals it into the chamber for firing. Yes. And after you fire it, you open that back up and it spits it out. Automatically. Automatically. Wow. So instead of the two shots a minute that were pretty much standard for a muzzle loader, this is good for a minimum of 12 rounds a minute. Wow. That's, that's pretty effective. It's also... One at a time, though. But one at a time. But it's very accurate to very long ranges. It's got twice, this is, in fact, this is the longest range shoulder arm ever standard issue in the U.S. military. It's got twice the effective range of a modern M16 or M4. Wow. And what, you're talking 1,000 yards easy? 1,100 yards. 1,100 yards. Yep. And they were using a lot of these on the open range for buffalo and stuff too, correct? Well, kind of. Uh, most of the buffalo hunters used the Sharps, which was similar but much heavier okay and it had a 110 grains of powder instead of 70. okay so it was a, a 45 90, what, what did they consider the caliber then 45 110 45 or 50 caliber okay but they but they considered right. it a what did they call it a 45 70 uh, 45 the, 110 yeah 45 110 or a 45 90. okay yeah okay um but the army chose this design because of reliability this particular rifle was made in June of 1883. Okay. And I've owned it for 30 years. And it has never failed to fire when I asked it to. That's impressive. Yeah. It's a nice looking gun. It is. And then you have the bayonet for it also. Yes, indeed. And the bayonet is very long. And it's about, it's about uh, what, 20 18 inches? 18 to 22 inches. Okay. Pretty much. Uh, and the reason they were so long was the bayonets were designed to intimidate horses. This was what kept cavalry off the infantry's backs. Okay. You'd fix bayonets and make a hedge of bayonets, and the horses would think, ah, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> no way. And if the horse leaves you alone, so does the rider. Okay. So it's, the bayonet by this point is primarily psychological, and it works against horses. And it works pretty good against people. Huh. I never would have I never even would have thought about the, the yeah. horse intimidation factor. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. So you want to hear more about the fort? Let's let's definitely or... take a walk around the fort and sure. see what all's going on here well, and get some of the history of, of the fort and, can't really and walk what happened around here. It, but we'll take you outside and tell you what we've got. Okay. Okay, now, this fort is really a paradigm of what the Army wanted their forts to look like. Okay. They didn't always, for various reasons, but this is what they wanted. So there's a large parade ground. Very large. It's got to be, what, uh, uh, three four. football fields? Yeah, probably closer to four. Okay. I think it's 400 and a little bit length. In the middle, there's a flag. On one side, in this case it's the south side there, there's a row of officers' houses, officers' quarters. And these houses are all very, very nice. Uh, are they, have they been restored? or are They've they... been restored and maintained, but they're original structures. Okay, and they're they stone. They've got uh, shingled roofs. Yep. 
They've got pillars in the front that, that yep. uh, uprights. Some of them are two-story. It looks like a lot of yeah. them have kind of an upper bunker maybe in them. Well, more of an attic. An attic. But uh, yeah, the one and three and seven, eight and nine all have second stories. And they're beautiful, beautiful yeah. houses. When I was driving by, I was I was they're pointing nice. out that these houses are really good looking. And then I'm looking around, and I'm going, no, that's the fort. That's where we need to be. It is. And, the, and the, the reason they look so good yet is that they were, when this fort closed, the town did not dry up and blow away. Okay. So people from town bought them and moved into them and lived in them. Okay. And they were lived in, a lot of those were, Still private homes into the 1960s, 1970s. Wow. So they were maintained. Uh, all of the officers' quarters are original. Our signature building is the one in the center of the prairie ground at the end. That's the headquarters building. Okay. And it's an interesting building because it's about twice as big as almost any other headquarters building. And because it exists yet. Almost no other fort has a headquarters building that has survived. Wow. Uh, they're very, very uncommon, and most of them are much smaller. Okay. Then on this side, opposite the officers, were the enlisted men's barracks, and there were six barracks. The first two were double barracks, and they were for cavalry, so okay. you could have four cavalry companies. Then you had four more single barracks for infantry, so you had four infantry companies for a total of eight companies, which was... A pretty big fort for the time. And how many men were in a company? Well, that is an excellent question to which there is no good answer. you got to pick a day. Okay. Um, but as a rule of thumb, during most of the force period, a cavalry company on paper was 60 men. In reality, closer to 40. An infantry company was 40 men. In reality, closer to 25. Okay. Uh, because you got to subtract the men who have deserted and up to the third of the army deserted every year oh wow uh, so you got to get rid de deduct deserters you got to deduct people who are in the hospital deduct people who are in the guardhouse deduct people who are uh stationed somewhere else temporarily maybe on recruiting duty or guarding a stage stop or uh, guarding a railroad construction uh maybe laying tell or putting up telegraph lines, putting out roads. Soldiers did all of these kinds of things, and usually in small groups, not a full unit. Okay. So, so 25 for infantry, 40 for cavalry is probably a pretty good rule of thumb. Okay. Um, and then we've got a few other buildings, but all of these, these two cavalry barracks, the storehouses, headquarters, and the officers' quarters, and the schoolhouse are all original buildings. The infantry barracks down there were rebuilt from ruins in the 1950s. They were standing ruins, and they okay. rebuilt them. The headquarters is the only completely new building. It's, uh, it's built so it looks just like the original, and it is on the original foundations. Okay. It is, a, it is a new construction. Wow. Yeah. And when was this fort built? Uh, construction started in December of 1867, and the fort stayed in service until June of 1889. Okay, so this was just after the Civil War. Right. It was and and what War. was the purpose of the fort? Before the war, the U.S. Army in Texas built 
forts that were essentially defensive in nature. Okay. They were guarding something, and the soldiers sat in the fort and waited for trouble. After the war, they come back with a new attitude, and they're much more aggressive and offensive-minded. So this fort was not really guarding anything in particular. When it was begun, the next closest building was 70 miles away, and it was another fort. Okay. So it was going to be a place from which the soldiers would go out and look for trouble. Uh, they would go out on patrols and campaigns. Looking okay. Well, there was a lot of hostilities towards uh, the well, settlers at the time? Or? Well, yeah. The, during the Civil War, when the Army left Texas to go back east and fight each other, the uh, Comanches pushed the frontier eastward about 200 miles in four years. Wow. So, yeah, the Comanches were... They called themselves the Lords of the Plains, and nobody really argued with them about it. They were okay. a force to be reckoned with. And so Fort Concho's primary concern was the Comanche. The Plains culture mounted Indians, who in this area were mainly Comanches and Kiowa. Okay. And there's no wall, no defensive wall at all, because nobody thought they were going to attack a fort anyway, and they were right. They never did. Okay. Yeah, it is really open. It's it's yeah, really it's a neat uh, parade grounds, and yeah. and I'm sure that you guys have reenactments every once in a yeah, while in fact, some of that uh, here. Coming up December 5th, we're going to have a couple artillery pieces right there on the parade ground shooting all day on the 5th. Really? We do it, 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 yeah. I need every, to come back down in December. Yeah, every 4th of July we do that because the Army celebrated the 4th with artillery fire, not these sissy fireworks stuff. right 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 <laughs> have they ever uh, blown up an anvil here no 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 I, that's one I of my of. dreams yeah. is, is to either see that happen or yeah. make it happen myself yeah. but i just i haven't done it yet <laughs> yeah but uh okay so now when a visitor comes here to the fort you've got i, I noticed as i was walking down through the enlisted men's quarters that you had the cannon Gatling gun set up down there, along with something yeah. that I've never seen anywhere, and that's that harness set up for pulling yeah. those cannons. And yeah. you, you had a saddle in the middle of the harness on one side for a rider in the team, and then on the other side you had a pack. Yes. And what did they carry in the pack? That was the driver's valise, and the driver couldn't wear a backpack, so he put his spare socks and his coffee cup and... Anything the driver wanted to carry went into that valise. Okay, now did they have the, the driver was the man on horseback? The man on horseback. So on they the didn't have a stage uh, like the guy with long no. lines, like what you see on freight wagons. No, it's 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 interesting because people have seen stagecoaches with six horses, right? And you just need one driver, right? But the army used three. Each of the each of the near side horses, we had three teams of two horses. And each near side horse or left side horse had a rider who with his left hand controlled that horse and with his right hand reached over and controlled the other horse. Really? Yes. And so why do you think the Army used three riot drivers when you only need one? So that the other two guys didn't have to walk. No. No? That would have been my motivation. I want to be on that horse instead of walking. <laughs> Tell me. Because the stagecoach driver is not going to deliberately drive that stagecoach somewhere he's going to get shot at. Okay. But that artillery piece is. If you've only got one driver oh. and he gets shot, 
All of a sudden, you got 4,400 pounds of equipment pulled by six crazy horses. Okay. Absolutely un, out of control right next to you. And now that makes perfect sense. So the other two can control it if one of them gets shot. Yeah, there's nothing quite like a runaway team. No, especially when he's hauling 4,400 pounds of limber and cannon. Yeah. So yeah. you've got this. You've got the back uh, down here with that display. Do yep. these other buildings have displays in them? Yes. Also, I haven't had a chance yes. to walk and look. Uh, we got the artillery in that in that place, and then the next barracks down is set up like an infantry and in barracks and mess hall would have been. Okay. With the bunks and the headboards and everything, uh, very much like they would have been in the late 1870s, early 1880s. Headquarters is open. And uh, most of the rooms are set up. There's a court-martial room, an orderly room, the adjutant's office, um, the regimental. No, no regiment was stationed here in its entirety because it's not a big enough fort. A regiment was 10 to 12 companies, and we could only hold eight. Can and, we step over here? I'm sorry sure. to interrupt you. The wind sometimes oh, really okay. affects my, my yeah. microphone. So. so I'll get right in here. So. Yeah. Um, the regiment would be headquartered here and via telegraph would control the other units at other forts. So there's a big room in there for the regimental headquarters and then the commanding officer and there was a library. Okay. But those are, most of those rooms are set up the way they would have looked at the time. And a couple just have exhibits. We've got exhibits in officer's quarters three for a the way an, a, a young junior bachelor officer would have been. Okay. And an older married with family officer with his wife and tons of Victorian stuff. Cool. Okay. Uh, next to it is an interesting one. It's the telephone museum. And it's just kind of a thing we, we do for the telephone pioneers. But it's got one of Graham Bell's first five telephones in there. Really? Along with several other phones. Uh, we don't have six open right now, but we're looking at getting into that. And then the schoolhouse chapel is open. It was a schoolhouse for officers' children during the day, a schoolhouse for enlisted men at night, and a chapel on Sundays. Okay, multi-purpose building. Multi-purpose. And then the hospital is set up. Well, the hospital is a neat shared thing. Uh, because the North Ward is set up like a ward was. Okay. But the South Ward is the uh, San Angelo Independent School District's library for the Fort Concho Elementary School, which is, as far as I know, the only elementary school in the country on National Historic Landmark grounds. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. And then he's, then your guy at the front desk said that you had some mules that were Yeah, here. back at the stables. Okay. Um, We've got several interesting wagons, an escort wagon, an ambulance wagon, a chuck wagon, um, and we've got currently three mules. I used to drive a team of mules. We had a team of mules when I worked here, and I got to drive a team of beautiful Belgian mules, and I'll tell you, I wouldn't give you a dollar for a horse, but I love mules. Huh. Okay, that, the, the opinions are really strong oh, both ways. Big, big, I mean... If I call you a mule, it's a compliment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just don't, just don't stoop to the donkey part, huh? Yeah, I won't call you an ass, <laughs> but you know. Cool. Well, we're going to have to take a walk around here, take some pictures sure. and, and look and see what all's here. 
Do you guys, are you guys part of the state or? No, city, this is a city museum. This is a city museum. Yep. That is really cool, yeah, but it is a impressive. National Historic Landmark. It's a National Historic Landmark, which is just a kind of an honorary thing, and it protects you in that people can't come in here and just tear buildings down or do anything like that, but it doesn't give you a dollar. Okay. It gives you no money at all. It's just... It's well, this is just an amazing net. place, and like I said, I'm really looking forward yeah. to going and taking a look through the through the buildings and and uh, seeing what all is on display. I really appreciate you taking your time today and telling us about the fort, and I am excited to go see. Like I finish out all of my podcasts, the world is full of wonder. Everybody needs to get out and explore. There's things to see everywhere. And everybody have a wonder-filled day. All the rolling go. Where am I to go, meet Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?